And in this series on gospel-centered work, um, we've been wanting to start the series by sharing with you uh, just a short interview testimony of different people in our church who are talking and they're wrestling with how to bring their faith and their work together. And so we've got a video that we want to share with you from Fred Millard. So here it comes. So I'm an oncologist, which means I'm a doctor who serves cancer patients. And uh, in particular, my niche in the past 13 years has been uh, what's called genitourinary oncology, which means the urinary tract, so the prostate, the bladder, kidneys, and testis. Well, I have this tremendous privilege in that my day-to-day work is directly trying to help people get better from serious illnesses. I see a lot of people who have incurable fatal illnesses and so uh, my day-to-day existence is uh, taken up in large part with people who are on that journey and pretty close to the end. Uh, And there's all kinds of ways people pass over that ground and some ways are pretty rough and some are magnificent and uh, some people start out pretty rough and then along the way they find what they're looking for, what they need to to face that and make that transition. And Sometimes I help them along a little bit and a lot of times they help me while they're going along that path. But seeing people come face to face with eternity and, uh, and dealing with that in some deep and significant way that has nothing to do with earthly values and the, the treatise of modern civilization. That's pretty powerful and uh, it's what keeps you going after a while. First and foremost, I see it in myself uh, and how I fail every day. To, um, to accomplish what I set out to do, how I let myself down, let my patients down, um, let things that don't matter get me distracted. But you also see it systemically. So, you know, these factors that uh, afflict our society are just as present in medicine as anywhere else. So, venality, greed, uh, ego, um, focus on self, careerism, because I was one of those guys for a long time who was mostly thinking that this was about me and how smart I was and my professional advancement and uh, getting promoted and writing papers and so forth. And when that, when the bottom falls out of that, which it does inevitably, um, it's a pretty empty, scary fall. And what a wonderful thing to fall into the arms of Jesus Christ and uh, find the gospel there waiting for you. So that definitely happens, and it happens on several different levels. So maybe the most obvious one is that once in a while, not every day and not every patient, but once in a while you can really make a difference in people's health that changes their lives and the lives of their friends and family. Uh, A lot of times you can't 
fix the main problem, but you can still help bring renewal to their lives um, through listening, through recognition of their basic humanity, through uh, bringing hope, even if hope doesn't mean you're going to be cured. Um, some of it is helping other physicians, you know, I'm, I've been at it for a while now and part of my job is um, educating and mentoring young physicians and so trying to renew the profession through that activity is, is rewarding too. seeing these examples and being inspired to ask yourself these same questions, and, and more than that, ask each other. I tell you what, it's when you ask each other these questions and you wrestle together with, hey, you know what, how does, how does your job or how does my job reflect qualities of God? You know, how does sin affect the workplace where I am? Um, where do I see renewal? happening? You know, how do I see the gospel taking root? When you have these conversations, you will begin to experience gospel renewal aimed at your workplace. And so I hope that y'all are having these conversations. I'd encourage you to make sure you are. Um, in this series, we've been looking, the Bible says that there are really six reasons why God created us to work. Okay? Um, he made you to work so that you can be a provider, an artist, a missionary, a community servant, an image of God, and a renewer. Okay, and last week we saw number one, that a provider sees work as producing a paycheck. Um, but the provider sort of rolls, overlooks the work itself, right? And so really the provider role looks at, you know, sort of when payday comes. But the other five roles, roles two through six, um, these actually turn the focus, not on the paycheck, but they actually look at the work itself and ask the question, you know, what is significant about this kind of work? It looks, um, if, if number one looks at payday, numbers two through six look at, like, look at Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday and Friday and beyond. And so today we're going to look at number two. Number two, that God made you to work so that you can be an artist. Okay, did you know that? God made you to work so that you can be an artist. Um, now, some of you are artists in the primary sense. You know, we have architects here. We have dance instructors here. We have marketing people, pianists, conductor, a designer. Um, and these folks, their job is what we normally think about when we think about an artist. Um, but I'm not just talking about that kind of artist. Okay, God wants all of us to engage with our work at the level of an artist. Okay, and so what is an artist? Well, if you look past the first entry in the dictionary, this is what you'll find. An artist is a person skilled at a particular task or occupation. Right, you've heard this before. This isn't unfamiliar to you. This is another kind of artist. So an example, that surgeon is an artist with a scalpel. Right, <clears throat> synonyms are an expert, a master, or a genius. Dorothy Sayers has said that every life well-lived is a work of art. Okay, every life, if it's well-lived, there's an art to it. 
okay? And this is true of, of our work life. So you can be an artist at work no matter what your occupation is. Okay, so if you want to take notes, <clears throat> here it comes. You are an artist, this is the first blanks. You're an artist if you work with excellence and integrity. Okay, you are an artist if you do your work with excellence and integrity. And I think you'll find that this is actually intuitive and you'll, you'll begin to catch on to this. So we call people artists generally for two reasons. Um, either the quality, for the quality of their work or the style with which they perform their work. Okay, it's both what they do or how they do it. Okay, and so with artists, either we are impressed with what they do, like they produce something that is beautiful, they produce something that is sophisticated, they produce something that is precise, they're able to accomplish something that is unique, right? Um, that's excellence. Or we're impressed with the way that they are. Okay, it's how they go about doing it, and that's integrity. Okay, so the excellence of our work matters to God. It's actually a reflection on the God that we say we believe in. Okay, the work that you do, the quality of your work reflects on God, either for good or for ill. Okay, I have been in far too many situations where I've talked to people who aren't Christians and they have told me, like, I'll never hire a Christian again because they're lazy because they think that forgiveness is like a get-out-of-jail-free card, that if they do, it doesn't matter what they do, as long as they ask for forgiveness, that it doesn't matter anymore. And so there's just a lack of trust there, and that sort of reputation, that lack of excellence, looks, makes God look bad. Makes people have a sour taste in their mouth about Christianity. And so uh, the excellence of our work matters. It's a reflection on God. And the integrity that we display at work is also a reflection on God. Right? We can display God's integrity with the way that we work. And so when we become an artist, or as we approach becoming an artist in the work that we do, then work actually becomes part of our faith in God. You see that? Like we make this connection, our work is part of our faith in God, and you can see God in your work and in your workplace. Okay, because we need to remember that Christianity, um, it's, it's more than just rules. Okay, Christianity doesn't say, hey, look, go be an artist. Come on, do your work with excellence, have integrity. What's wrong with you people? Can't you get it? Like, that's not Christianity. Okay, that is some kinds of religion, but that is not Christianity. Christianity is an approach to work and life that both understands God's design for work at creation, like why God made us to work. But on the other hand, Christianity also understands and doesn't hide from the frustration and the challenges that we deal with every day. Okay, and so Christianity sends us to work each day knowing both of these realities. Knowing the victory of Jesus over sin and the power that he gives to renew us. And also the frustration, the struggle uh, that we face every single day. And so we call this, this sort of gives us the four layers of the gospel. Okay, we've been talking about these four layers of the gospel uh, that we need to understand in order to embrace what it means to be an artist. Okay, the first layer begins with the letter C. It's there in your bulletin. Um, it's the layer of creation. Creation. Your, and what creation teaches us is that the art of your work, right, your, your art at work delights God. Okay, this is a truth that you need to understand. Your art at work, 
delights God. Let me explain that. When God created us, he made us in his image, and we were made to reflect who he is at work. Okay, and so God designed work so that we would feel like we are working with him. Okay, God doesn't want you to think that when you're at work, he's somewhere else. Okay, because there's lots of people, and I think Christians even are tempted to believe that God doesn't care about work because he's off doing things that are more important. Right, you're at work doing your thing, but God's off somewhere saving someone or preventing something or whatever. He's doing something giant and huge. Okay, but that's not what the Bible says. Okay, that is not what the Bible says about where God is when you're at work. It might surprise you to see what the Bible says in Proverbs. It's there in your bulletin, Proverbs 11, verse 1. Look at that with me. It says this, A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. So in the ancient world, merchants in the marketplace, they used weights when they did business transactions. Right? So you come, maybe you've got crops that you've grown and you want to sell them in the marketplace. Or maybe you have animals that you want to offer and trade. Uh, or maybe you're coming to buy food for you or your family. Um, merchants would use weights to measure out crops or produce or even oil for sale. And they would use weights to measure out money to pay for things, right? You put your, your side on here, then they put the weights on the other side. And they would measure it out. And so it was a way to, it was basically a way to convert it into currency. Now, dishonest merchants would use faulty scales or weights to cheat their customers, okay? Um, so balances and weights were actually part of the everyday, nitty-gritty details of work and commerce, right? So these, you've got these weights, these balances, Every single day in the marketplace, hundreds of people are using them. So imagine this is kind of like, you know, when you pull out your phone with the little credit card thing and you can swipe it. They use weights and balances back then, okay? Everybody had them. It's how you did business. And so now look again at this verse in Proverbs. God doesn't just care about these details, but God has a, a passionate, emotional reaction to these details. You see that? A false balance is of mildly frustrating to the Lord. No, it says it's an abomination to the Lord. Stealing, cheating, lying, lack of integrity in the workplace are highly offensive to God. He doesn't just overlook these things. He gets angry about them. And then on the other hand, look at this. God takes great delight in our integrity and honesty. Friends, this is good news, right? This is good news because sometimes you think, man, all the rules are in the Bible and they're really just made to make us feel guilty so that we will know that God is mad and he's going to get us and he's going to beat us with a stick if we don't turn around. But the other half of this verse, look at this, it says a just weight is God's delight. Man, you might think that doing the right thing in the workplace is ordinary and expected, you might think that you should receive zero credit because, well, you just should have done that anyways. But that's not how God reacts. This verse tells us that doing the right thing is a delight to God. That the artistry of excellence delights the heart of God. And this matters to God. It thrills God. 
So when you do what's right, when you do what is just in the workplace, you can know that he is pleased with you. I mean, how exciting is that? When you treat a customer with justice, with fairness, when you treat other people in the workplace with kindness in the way that God wants, like God is delighted with you. Man, there's artistry in not just what you do, but there's artistry in how you treat others. There's artistry in billable hours, in timesheets, and in expenses. Right? There's artistry um, in, again, how you manage your employees, how you deal with the people, even when they're, this doesn't mean that you let people walk over you. This doesn't mean that you don't hold people accountable. That's actually part of justice, right? That's part of what people need. They need boundaries. They need accountability, right? And when you do that, you are a delight to God. And this is art at work. And when you do it, God is delighted. He's delighted. Um, Martin Luther King Jr. talked about your art at work in this way. This is a great quote. He said, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted, or as Beethoven composed music, or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should, street, he should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great sweet streeper, <laughs> street sweeper, who did his job well. I think he's right. Martin Luther is reflecting the heart of God as he says this. And obviously he's picking, um, he's picking an occupation that most people would think is mundane, unimportant, irrelevant. Not to God. Not to God. I mean, think about this. If God, the king of the universe, the one with whom you will have to do forever is delighted in your work, then it's not too mundane for him. So this idea of artistry and art at work with excellence and integrity, it was illustrated this week for me at our life group. Okay, first I want to show you something. Um, this, this is a Twinkie. Okay, this did not show up in our life group, okay? But it serves as a contrast to what did show up this week at our life group. This is an extraordinary dessert. Literally, this is a cake that came from extraordinary desserts, right over in Little Italy. This showed up at my life group this week. Um, we meet on Tuesdays in the evening in North Park. If you're not in a life group and you come to mind, this may be what is waiting for you if you come on Tuesday nights in North Park. <clears throat> so this cake, this cake is art, right? This is created with an incredible amount of excellence. The Twinkie is not. There may be some manufacturing artistry and excellence in being able to make a billion of these a year. Um, but I think, this, I think the Twinkie is not art. Friends, doing your work with integrity and excellence is the extraordinary desserts cake. Okay? Poor work with an attitude problem is the Twinkie. 
God delights when our work is art. Um, you will delight if you come to our life group Tuesday nights in North Park. But really, this, this is God's creative design for work. He wants us to think that our work is worth doing well. He wants us to know that the way that we do our work is as important as the quality of our work. And so we can see this, but I think it's important for us to admit that our reality is often far from God's design, isn't it? I mean, it's inspiring to be reminded that, hey, we're supposed to be artists at work. It's inspiring and encouraging to know that God delights in our excellence and our integrity, but it seems to me, if you're anything like me, um, and even as a pastor, like our work experience is much more complicated than it just being simply art, isn't it? Well, it's because layered on top of God's created design is humanity's fall into sin, and that's our next point. Okay, our next point is the fall. Your art is vandalized by sin. Your art is vandalized by sin. The vandalism of sin affects us and it affects our work in so many different ways. It attacks both our excellence and our integrity. And if we're honest, and I appreciate it so much, Fred, the, the honesty of your testimony, that so often the vandalism comes from inside here, doesn't it? Um, so often it's not anybody else's fault but our own. Um, we struggle with laziness. There's times where we don't want to work hard, and so we accept low quality of work because we just don't want to work. Um, sometimes we think, God doesn't care about my work, so why should I? I hope that that thinking is beginning to change for you. Um, it's also hard to strive for excellence when we feel like our excellence isn't appreciated. You know, if my paycheck is going to be the same, whether I do a great job or do a mediocre job, then why don't I just cash it in and punch a clock? I think this is what goes on inside of us if we're willing to admit it. Why bother with extra effort if it's not going to be noticed or appreciated? And then sometimes integrity gets us in trouble. I mean, really, like sometimes doing the right thing can get us in trouble. Um, sometimes not cutting corners will mean that you are behind. And that's difficult. Sometimes, I mean, I know I was in sales for 10 years before I went into the ministry, and there were times where there was a strong temptation because if I didn't lie a little bit, we might not get this deal. Just a little bit. These are just some of the things inside of us that vandalize the artistry of our excellence and our integrity. Um, but then, not just from inside of us, man, there's so much from outside, isn't there? I mean, there's so much that really beats us up um, when your boss is so far from an artist, right? When your boss doesn't feel at all like there's any excellence or any integrity, when he or she is a tyrant or a control freak, um, or they just, they're absentee landlords, right? They just, they never show up. They never give you any support, but they'll just show up to tell you what you're doing wrong. Right? These are things that we deal with. These are realities of the workplace. And these things make us frustrated, and then we think we're justified in not being artists ourselves. And we kind of have a, well, if you do this to me, I'm going to do it back to you. These are real struggles. Then there's a whole other element of how sin vandalizes us, and, and that's that some of us actually work too much. 
We find too much of our identity in our performance at work, and then we neglect other responsibilities and relationships in our lives. You know, and so by saying yes to work too often, we're not able to say yes to the other things that God wants us to say yes to. And when this happens, this makes us domineering, this makes us the tyrants sometimes with our employees or with our personnel. And then, I mean, again, there's, I mean, this is where we can take sort of the, the morality that is presented in the Bible and see that it's not just rules. God's not just trying to get people to act in a certain way. What he's trying to do is he's, he's trying to stop the vandalism in his world. Like that's why he confronts us with sin. That's why he encourages us to live like Jesus. Right? Things like hypocrisy, again, laziness and anger. These things plague and vandalize the artistry in our workplace. Right? What we're doing is we're adding to the havoc. We're adding to the brokenness. We're adding to the shattered nature of our workplace when we aren't coming as artists. And so this is, this is the fall, but this is also, I mean, there's, there's reasons why we do these things, isn't there? I mean, most of us know these things aren't good, but we do them anyways. Why is that? Like, just hearing that these things are wrong isn't often enough. Um, we do these things consistently. Usually it's because the sins give us something that we want, and we want those things in the moment more than we want God. This is what happens, right? Laziness gives us comfort, and sometimes it gives us a passive-aggressive retaliation against a boss who's unfair, against a company that's, you know, that doesn't care about us. Um, workaholism gives us control, a feeling of control and self-righteousness. Hypocrisy gives us approval without effort, right? Who wouldn't want that? I want approval without effort. Hypocrisy, there we go. I mean, really, that's why we do it. We want people to think well of us, but we don't want to put the work in to earn their approval. And we want these things for the pleasure that they give us. But the pleasure, friends, the pleasure is short-lived, and it leaves us worse than when we started. When we do these things, I want you to know, when we do these things, we think we're getting away with something. And the reality is that in God's economy, we never get away with anything. Everything that we do comes back to haunt us. And sometimes it comes back to us in terms of like, okay, we reap what we sow, right? What goes around comes around. Sometimes that doesn't happen, right? Sometimes there are people who are crooked. There are people where we'll cut corners or we'll do things that are wrong. And we'll never, ever really experience any kind of a, we never get caught. Right? We get away with it, we get the extra check, we get the extra money, we get the approval. Right? Sometimes it doesn't happen where things somehow come back to us. But I can tell you that, and I can guarantee you that every time you vandalize your character, every time you vandalize the excellence or the integrity of your work, it actually has a shaping impact on your heart. So you might not ever get found out, but you become someone different. You become someone different. The vandalism will affect you. And it's usually, you know, it's, it's infinitesimally small sometimes. And sometimes you don't even know you're doing it. 
um, or you don't realize the effect until it's too late and you realize, whoa, how did I become such a controlling person? How did I become such an angry person? I didn't used to be this way. I mean, again, this is why we confess our sins every single week. It's because God doesn't want us to go more than six days without dealing with the stuff in our lives. He doesn't want us to keep hurting ourselves. And so it's in all of these ways that we lose God in the workplace. We sort of shut him out. And when we see that, it's, it's kind of no wonder that for so many, faith has no place at work. Because we're so busy doing things we shouldn't be doing. We almost don't want God at work, right? Because if he was there, what would he say? What would we say? And so we need to come face to face with why we settle for less than artistry in our work. And I want to tell you too, friends, this is, this is why we need Jesus. Okay, Jesus came to save us from the fall. And this is why Jesus came. He came to bring, our next point, he came to bring redemption. He came to bring redemption. And in redemption, we see that Jesus is the ultimate artist. Jesus is the ultimate artist. And so it's in Jesus that God comes to the workplace. And I want you to grasp this. Okay, Jesus honored and dignified the workplace because he lived as a carpenter for at least 17 years. Okay, presumably from ages 13 to 30. Right, so we can look at Jesus' work as art. He spent 17 years as a carpenter, Joseph's son, right, the carpenter, um, from 13 to 30, and then he spent three years in ministry, from 30 to 33, what does this mean? This means that the, the Son of God, listen to this, the Son of God spent 500% more time working with his hands than he did healing with his hands. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And when his Son came to earth, when Jesus came to earth, he spent 17 years of his life working with his hands and only spent three healing with his hands. Jesus knows what it's like to be in the workplace. The Bible says that Jesus has experienced all of the temptations that we experience in the workplace. And in his life, he was powerful enough, strong enough to overcome them all. And after spending his adult years working as an artist, right, with excellence and integrity, then Jesus took on the second stage of his work life, and he went to the cross and sacrificed his life for our less-than-artistic work. Our laziness, our pride, our hypocrisy, our anger, our lying, Jesus died for our work sins so that we might be forgiven. Friends, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. In the greatest artistic masterpiece in human history, Jesus, the artist of a perfect human life, he didn't run away from a world that wasn't like him. 
Jesus didn't condemn a world that wasn't worthy of him. But instead, Jesus, driven by a love that said, I won't just show you, but I will save you. Jesus entered into the darkness of our shattered lives. And on the cross, he took all of the vandalism that our sins have caused. He took all of the weight and the harm and the pain of our work life, and he died so that God would forgive us and welcome vandals like us back into his family. Bring your guilt to him and he will forgive you. Follow him and let the ultimate artist begin to work in your life. Friends, this is redemption. And this is glorious news that meets our deepest needs. And before you go back to work tomorrow, you are forgiven. You are accepted by God. And let me say it this way, you have the greatest retirement package from God that will last forever. Talk about a golden parachute. Yeah, what would your work life look like if you really believed that this was true? And what would be different? I think it would look like our last point. We've got creation, fall, redemption, and then we have renewal. And renewal looks like you and Jesus, artists at work together. That's what the gospel produces. It produces this reality of now you and Jesus are artists at work together. When you remember that you've been loved like this, when you remember that Jesus in the greatest artistic masterpiece in human history had you in mind as he died on the cross, that changes you. That changes you. And when you see the artistry of Jesus' life, you begin to display your own version of Jesus' artistry through you. He puts his spirit in you, and you begin to live in ways that begin to resemble him. And we see this in the Gospels, in Luke chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. These are in your bulletin. Look at this. It says, Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to John the Baptist, Teacher, what shall we do? These are people who were convicted of their sin. They realize, wait a second, we've been living our lives in a really bad way, and they've come to the one who's teaching the way of God, and they say, what should we do? And John the Baptist said to them, verse 13, he says, collect no more than you're authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. So tax collectors, I mean, it's interesting, they're with the soldiers. The tax collectors were the extortionists of Jesus' day. To be a tax collector in the land of Israel was to sell out your people completely. What they would do is they would hire Jews, they would sell off the right to collect taxes. And so people would pay lots and lots of money to the government to have the right to get to, to collect taxes. And the government basically said, look, here's some militiamen, here are some army soldiers, you get whatever you want, you just need to send us this much. So these tax collectors got incredibly wealthy. 
They got incredible. They were hated. They were traitors. They were greedy. They were conniving. They were abusers. They were, I mean, just everything that you can think of. And so they come to John the Baptist realizing that they want to give their lives to Jesus. They want to follow the way of Jesus. And notice what John the Baptist doesn't say to the tax collectors. Right? What does he not say? Yeah. He doesn't say, stop being a tax collector. You see that? I mean, we would think, well, hey, with a profession like that, you really need to be careful. You probably shouldn't do this job anymore because, well, you know, that's not what John the Baptist says. This is so important. What John the Baptist tells the tax collectors, he tells them to bring the art of excellence and integrity into their work, not for them to leave their work. Do you see that? And for the soldiers, it's the same thing. They're not to leave their work, but to renew their work through excellence and integrity. Man, so you can imagine, like if you can try to imagine tax collectors in that day who followed Jesus, they would go from being utterly despised to people using language that would probably sound like, oh my goodness, he saved me. Right? Think about it. Because at first, you would think that they're crooked, they're traitors, but if they didn't fleece you, if they brought this excellence and this integrity to their work, man, you'd soon appreciate it. It's like having an honest mechanic. Right? You never want to see him, but aren't you glad that you can trust that he's not changing the doohickey-witzel thing on the bottom of your car, right, and charging you a thousand bucks? What we're seeing here in Luke 3, this is the renewal of the world. Right? This is a renewed, these are renewed people going into the city and bringing a renewed city. This is what Fred said in his testimony, where he's getting a chance to renew the profession by mentoring and teaching others how to do the work with excellence and integrity. Because if tax collectors can become sons and daughters of God, then surely there is hope for all walks of economic life. Surely there is hope and renewal that Jesus can bring through you into your workplace. This is why Jesus redeems us. He redeems us so we have a relationship with him, but then he sends us. The reason he's left us here Right? Why does he leave us here on this earth? It's because he wants us to bring renewal into our workplace. He wants you to bring uh, excellence and integrity. He wants you to be an artist at your job. And this is the kind of art at work that shows that you value the work that you do. It shows that you value the company that you work for. What this does is this makes your work a blessing to your boss. It makes your work a blessing to your employees, to your customers, to everybody you interact with in the workplace. And it's important for us to know that this renewal takes time. Okay, it takes time because we are vandalized people working in a vandalized environment. But even still, we will see progress. But it might be slow progress over long periods of time. And if that's what it is, 
if it starts with simply your attitude changing, um, if you have high hopes for what your work could look like, what your workplace could look like, it may take years. It may take decades. But let me say this, slow progress is wonderfully shaping for our character. Okay, and I'm telling myself this too, because there are things about me that I wish would change. And man, I don't know why God is taking so long, but I can tell you this, that slow progress is wonderfully shaping for us because it teaches us faithfulness, it teaches us patience, endurance, and commitment. Just by showing up every day with Jesus. Right? Even that is art. There's an integrity of your relationship with God where if you have a sense that, even if all you have is that, you know what, Jesus, we're going in this together. Like, that's progress. That's a step in the right direction. And you can know that Jesus will use all the frustration to strengthen you. He will use um, all of the difficulties. Um, it's hard enough without hindrances, but given all the stuff that we deal with, given all of the hindrances that we deal with, it takes even more strength. It takes even more power to actually be excellent in an environment where others aren't. And Jesus will give you this strength. I want to show you something that I think we've looked at in the past. This is a form of art. It's called kintsukuroi. Kintsukuroi. It's a Japanese word, and it means to repair with gold. And this is the art of repairing pottery with gold or silver lacquer, seeing that the piece is more beautiful for having been broken. This is what God will do with the brokenness that you bring to work and the brokenness that you experience at work. God's desire is to put the pieces back together and to bring the gold lacquer to, to bring healing and to bring shape and to bring form back to who you are and the work that you do. It's when we work as artists with excellence and integrity that we bring the gold of God's character. We bring the gold of God's ways and God's presence into our workplace. And when we do this, our work, like the work itself becomes then an act of worship. Because we realize that God actually is even our boss in the ultimate sense. And God delights in the work that we do. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for calling us to be artists. And we confess that we have not seen ourselves in this way. And these words stretch us. But God, we want so much to be set free and to be redeemed from the meaningless work that so many of us think that we have. We want to see you enter into our fallen, vandalized workplaces 
We want to see you enter into our fallen and vandalized hearts and make us new. Set us free so that we can worship you, so that we can see even in the midst of the brokenness that you're taking the pieces and you're putting us back together and you're giving us a vision so that we can approach our work and to try to be more excellent, to try to have more integrity. Jesus, make us artists for your sake so that you would be able to see us do this and you would be honored. Lord, I pray that you would make it so that in our city, if people know that someone goes to Harbor City Church, that they want to hire them because they do work as artists. I pray too, Father, that you would help us to have these conversations with each other so that we wouldn't be trying to do this on our own, but in life groups and in discipleship and as we just have coffee together, spend time together, that we'd be able to talk about these things so that we can encourage each other to get strength from each other. And Jesus, for those who are here and they don't know you yet, they haven't committed to you, would you show them your open arms and the power of your redemption to set them free and to give them this glorious and exalted vision of what it means to work? Jesus, make it so that they would come running into into your arms for forgiveness and for mission and purpose. Let it be that all of us would go into work tomorrow with this renewed mind. And we pray this in your name. Amen.